Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and I am pumped to have you join us for what is going to be a brilliant episode. We have a fantastic guest this week. We talked to Carson Hetty, one of Microsoft's top sales performers globally, author and enterprise sales expert. In today's episode, we break down the characteristics of high performers. We talked to Carson about what are some of the habits that he's developed to be one of the top performing sales pros at one of the largest, world's largest organizations. Please, before we get into the episode, love to hear your feedback. So like us on whatever platform you're listening to, share us, tag me, send me a hello message or you know a LinkedIn note. And if you want, hit me up directly on email, luigi at salesiqgroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy this week's episode as this is an awesome session with a heap of key learnings for anyone trying to get the best out of themselves. So uh, Carson, welcome to the show, man. Luigi, thanks so much. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, fantastic. So, mate, you, you've worked for some major corporations in your time um, and currently at, you know, one of the biggest, uh, Microsoft. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started in the world of sales. Sure. Uh, great question. Very passionate about sales. And, yeah. you know, I have been very blessed to work for some large organizations and some small ones, which has given me uh, definitely some interesting perspectives. Yeah, I started out in selling as a sales rep, uh, I was uh, unintentional. You know, I, I actually intended to get into a customer service type role, and I uh, was at AT and T at the time. It was Southwestern Bell, and yeah. I started out as a sales rep selling um, right when DSL and high speed internet was coming into the market, and uh, so I was selling first off to uh, business clientele, and then our our office switched midstream into my first endeavor to uh, selling to consumers. So yep. uh, interesting B2B and B2C experience. I did that for just shy of two years, got promoted and uh, was a sales manager. Then I was a uh, sales director as I went into uh, what's what used to be the Yellow Pages organization as they started yellowpages.com. So had a really interesting start in telecom, went into advertising and uh, internet marketing. And then I've spent some time in wireless and now I'm with Microsoft. So uh, I've been <laughs> here, uh, been here for about five years in different selling and leadership capacities. And, um, you know, got started in sales, as I mentioned, kind of inadvertently, uh, yeah. found that I really enjoyed it, had a knack for it. And, um, you know, it's, it's very much a people science. So I, I've been very fascinated by it and have enjoyed connecting with salespeople for years. Yeah, awesome. It's funny, you know, not, I don't think many of us decided one day, hey, I'm going to be a sales guy or hey, I'm going to be a sales, salesman or sales professional. Um, we kind of fall into those roles. I think that's true. Um, it, it's all about, and what I love about sales is it's all about personality and the strengths that you bring to the table. The way you sell is not going to be exactly like the way I sell and the way uh, my my neighbor sells. Um, it, there's going to be some commonalities, but there are going to be stark differences. And I think that's where we as sellers can continue to perfect and evolve our craft by learning from each other. And um, yeah. you know, so I, I, I've spent a career really just trying to study others, be a student of selling, yeah. and to uh, you know really understand how other people are being successful, so that I can emulate that and uh, bring it into my arsenal 
Yeah, man, I love that concept, you know, student of sales and, you know, mastering the craft. I mean, that's that's everything that I I sort of live and die by that concept. Um, and, and, and often when I talk to sales professionals, it's funny, you know, I know that you've been on Jeffrey Gittimore's Sell or Die podcast, but he says in one of his books that, um, you know, often when he goes to, to, to train sales, sales are the, sales people are, are the smartest people in the world because they know everything. Um, and whenever I engage with a sales professional that says, yeah, man, I don't know why I have to do training and I've done this before, I've been doing this for 20 years, I often think to myself, you know what, if that's the, if that's the attitude um, that you've got on it, then it's probably time to, to change careers. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's the beauty of selling is that you're going to continue to be challenged. Uh, there's yeah. always going to be, uh, you know, we're like guns for hire. You know, there's always <laughs> a, a space for salespeople. Um, you know, if you're good at what you do, you'll find a home somewhere. And I think, yeah, you know, I was I was naive enough to uh, write a, a book about sales topics in my late twenties, um, and I thought that I knew a fair amount about sales then. <laughs> That was 10 years ago. I knew relatively nothing. And, yeah. um, you know, it's funny, just the, the contrast as well. You know, I've spent a lot of time in inside sales and uh, in outside sales. And each experience has kind of beget the next. I feel like we take our strengths and the things that we learn from each, uh, each lesson, each role that we're in to the future roles. And there are things that I'm able to do in the role that I have today that I learned you know, five, 10 years ago. And uh, it's amazing to be able to tie that in to the things that we do now. So we're always evolving. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? I know that, you know, I spent a, a lot of my career in B2B um, and, you know, I was doing really well, putting together some really sizable deals. And then I ventured into the B2C area and uh, completely, you know, different zone, different buying process, different, you know, different tools, scripts, you know, stuff that I was, I was never exposed to. Um, and that was the best time in my sales life because it was like, I knew nothing. Um, and, uh, and at the time I was managing, you know, a fairly, uh, decent sized team and I had to learn and it was absolutely awesome. It really reinvigorated my career. So I totally agree with what you're saying. So mate, yeah, given well, that we're, we're going to talk about, you know, characteristics of high performance when it comes to sales. Were you six? I mean, you, 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 you're pretty successful at Microsoft. You're one of the, the you know, the leading, um, uh, leading sales guys there. Um, but tell us, were you successful from day dot when you first started in sales? No. In fact, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it was kind of inadvertent that I got into sales. I was in a unique situation. I was in a sales a training team of 12 people. And uh, most of the people were internal hires. You know, they had moved in from different divisions. And, uh, because of that, they all had the rights to retreat to other, you know, where they had come from, their previous role. And of the 12, only two people in the class were off the street, myself and uh, another lady who's actually still there. And everyone else in our class retreated. So it was only two people that graduated out of that class. Um, you know, it was, it was very, uh, it was an aggressive class. You know, they had very high expectations. There were definitely times where I asked myself, am I cut out to do this? Um, because there was a lot to learn. I mean, it was, uh, it was an in-depth look at really that, that phone call sale, uh, which is quite challenging. And um, so there were definitely times where I questioned if I'd be successful at it or not. And once I got out on the floor and, and got into my cubicle and uh, spent some time just talking to customers and listening and understanding the process, uh, you know, I found that I found two things. One, um, that, that it was really all about that, that 
that uh, that connection. Um, you know, yep. again, asking questions, understanding the customer's dilemma, and then number two, being able to make recommendations that aligned with their needs, uh, but also what the company's expectations were. And it didn't hurt that that fell in line with my commission structure. So yeah. within a month, I was the top rep in the office, and um, you know, it was very successful selling. And uh, that is kind of what began the whole thing. You know, from there, I was promoted, and um, each time though, because every sales role is different, it's yeah. been. It's been challenging, uh, but in a great way because it's it has enabled me to continue to find different verticals, different industries, uh, different selling environments, whether it was inside, outside, and to be able to learn how to do that level of sales excellence in each of those areas has yeah. been unbelievable. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so the the moment you realized that sales was about questioning, understanding. And then tailoring the solution to the customer is when you started to see a rapid change in your career. It's the understanding of people and process. People you know, process. the reality is we touch a lot of people. I call it the sales food chain, right? I mean, we're yeah. we touch customers. We touch other people in our organization. We touch our partner ecosystem. Uh, we may touch referral business. Uh, we touch sales leaders in our own yep. organization. And everybody that you touch, you've got to add value to that relationship. And it was once I understood that, and it was once I understood that uh, by taking the approach, especially in outside sales or when you're cold calling yeah. or when you're prospecting, a customer, to get them to pay attention to you, you've got to add unique value. You've got to stand out from who's been there before, um, but you've also got to add some kind of unique value that you can bring to the table as to why they will interact with you. And once I understood people and process, it's all about probability. You know, sales, a lot of people will say it's a science. A lot of yeah. people will say it's mathematics and probability. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that everything that you do in your sales process has a probability of success. And if you do things that enhance the probability of success, like better prospecting, better questions, better pitch, uh, better overcoming of objections, you're going to enhance your probability of success. It's just simple math. So yeah. once I understood that, as I talked about before, kind of being a student of the game, that's when I was able to take my career to the next level. Yeah, awesome. And is that what inspired you to write The Birth of a Salesman? I love to write, and I, I had written all my life, but most of it was just silly little stories, you know, like yeah. I, writing stories in grade school, and, and I'd incorporate my friends, and like we, <laughs> we time traveled, or we went to outer space. And so I always loved to write. And uh, yeah. you know, as I got older and I was at AT&T, I was actually writing an article, a, a column for one of the newsletters that went out in my division. And I really enjoyed it. I was writing sales topics and I found myself really gravitating toward writing about selling. But as you, you, know, you already mentioned, some great sales uh, folks that have written books before on the topic, I knew that I couldn't do anything better or really yep. new in that space. So I, I kind of created a book inside of a book. I created a fictional author of a book, of a sales book. And then I talked about the, you know, when he learned these lessons, you know, so some <laughs> of the experiences that he went through in selling. And that was my unique twist. I wrote a book inside a book. So it's a novel about a fictional author who is a sales leader and he writes this sales book. This is an awesome concept. Like Vincent Scott, you know, it's a, it's. I mean, if I look at the books on, on on the books that I read or the books on my shelf, um, they're all you know they're all about a particular topic. Whether it's you know the Miller Hyman strategic selling, 
Wilson learning around, you know, social styles or Jeffrey Gittimore's Little Red Book of Selling. You know, I could, I could keep reeling them off. But this yep. is quite unique. It's about, a, you know, it's about a guy that's selling. It's about a guy that's, you know, the having the challenges and what they, you know. So, I mean, how, how did you just come up with it and say, right, I'm going to write a book about somebody. Is this you or is it somebody, you know, is it, is it made up about your story or is it completely, you know, completely um, made up? Yeah, you know, there are definitely influences that I've taken from things that I've seen or heard about in uh, in my career, you know, for sure. Yeah, I think we as sellers, that's one of the commonalities is we have experiences, we have stories, and I think that's what's powerful. You know, I've, yeah. I've gained so much by talking to other sellers and understanding, um, you know, where they've come from, where they've been, where they want to go. And uh, some of the roadblocks that they've faced. Uh, you know, I've I've been a sales manager for a long time, and as yeah, so a sales manager, your primary ob- objective—I don't care what you think it is—what it is is you've got to remove barriers to your team's success. If you do that, there's no choice but to be successful. And um, so, you know, I, I love those common stories and understanding the barriers that salespeople are having, so that we all can learn together. And uh, that's been the beauty of it is my sales craft has evolved substantially over the last 10 plus years since I wrote this book. Um, it, it's also been captivating to really hear some of the other stories and uh, some of the conversations that I'm able to have with people today because I wrote that book 10 years ago, like yourself. You know, it's it's yeah. been amazing to be able to connect with different people and with, with sales perspective, with perspectives, you know, different sales perspectives um, it, it, because it helps my learning also. Yeah. So that was really the primary driver for me uh, behind the book. And that's, a, you know, that's fundamental. What I'm hearing is that one of the key characteristics of a high performer is that uh, that real hunger and desire to learn. And it's come through with what you're saying. It's saying, you know, the last 10 years I've learned, I've learned. I mean, and, and you know, you've, you're working for, you know, one of the biggest organizations in the world. Um, and so you, that for me is, is a key indicator in that, you know, learning is absolutely fundamental in, in, in high performers and, and success. Um, Carson, talk to us a little bit about some of the deals that you've orchestrated in your time, like size, how long they've gone for stakeholders, just just to give our, our listeners a bit of an understanding of the type of deals that you've had experience putting together. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the question. And I, I really want to say too, you know, you hit the nail on the head, Luigi, around the drive piece. Um, you know, it, we continue to be challenged and we have to continue to be challenged. I think sometimes folks get bored. And so we, we sometimes we have to come up with our own uh, inner challenges. I studied Michael Jordan, um, love the guy, yes. greatest basketball yeah. player ever and greatest competitor. And I would read about how he continued to present himself new challenges. And so it's, it's funny because when I started out, a lot of the deals that I did were, were very minuscule. I mean, we, we're yeah. talking about adding uh, a, a plan here or there to change their uh, their business phone package or their business internet package to today uh, where I get to oversee multi-million dollar deals where uh, customers may be digitally transforming, moving infrastructure and or applications and or data into the cloud, um, realizing where uh, that can impact their business and kind of take them to their desired future state. So um, today, I'm very fortunate. I get to work with the C-level in a lot of organizations. Um, you know, you're talking, it, it, what's amazing too, I, I'm, I'm in, a, in a role where some of my clients are born in cloud SaaS companies that have 50 yep. 
50 employees and some of them are, you know, 15, 20,000 employees. It just yeah. depends on uh, the, the, a lot of it's around the, the propensity for cloud. Um, but yeah. my role enables me to get involved in some of the very strategic deals. So, um, you know, I have a philosophy around deals and it's, it's all about the customer, the company and you. It's the yeah. holy sales trinity is what I like to call it. And when you're when you're talking about deals, uh, you've got to make sure that the customer gets theirs, that they understand yeah. the vision, they understand where you're headed, uh, that the, their priorities are number one. They are what are taken into place, and that is initially how you craft that deal. What are they trying to achieve? And then next... Uh, making sure that you're looking at, okay, what are my company initiatives? How can I make sure that I make this deal attractive to my own organization? And then finally, yourself, you know, are you going to benefit from putting this deal together? And if if all three of those entities benefit from the deal, it's a go. If one yeah. of them suffers, you need to make sure you address that or because it's a bad deal. That is a red yeah. flag on a deal. But, um, you know, that's a sick concept. Can, sorry to stop you. What, that, that's a pretty cool concept. What, what would you call it again? The Trinity... Yeah, the Holy Trinity of the selling. The Holy Trinity. Man, that's sick. I really like that. And it's got to be a win-win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you're right. It can't be. If, if one of them, you know, if one of them aren't working, that red flag, then somebody's losing. That's right. And, uh, you know, I think that's where a lot of us can go awry. Listen, it, I think it's us, we as sellers, we enter into every situation, I think, with the best of intentions. But yeah. there are a lot of situations that get very frustrating. You want to talk about characteristics of high performance? I, I think consistency is one of the biggest. You know, consistency of your application of process and your interaction with the different people that are stakeholders, whether it's in the you know the customer realm or your organization, you've got to be consistent with your application of approach. You may go out and and you have the best of intentions, try to put this deal together, but it goes awry in the eleventh hour. Now you can do yeah. one of two things. You can either sulk on it and you can change your approach and do things differently next time um, as, a, as a negative out of that experience, or you can learn from it. And you take yeah. that learning into every single deal you do down the road. I've had a lot of deals. In fact, my best year at Microsoft was last year and I lost several deals that yeah. were in the 11th hour. Uh, but fortunately, I, I obviously did more deals than I lost. But at the same time, there were a lot of deals that went south at the very end or that you know we just did not compete in or whatever it was. And I learned so much from those deals. It was a, an extremely valuable experience. And I think being able to, to apply a consistent approach to your process, but also to take the learnings from the previous experiences yeah. that you've had and roll that into your activities is uh, bar none, one of the best learnings you can have. Yeah, so to confirm this, so you've gone from, had a successful year, deals fell over. I've heard you say a couple of times, application to process, and then reflecting on what didn't work to amend for future deals. So accurate. And I think yep. that applies to everything that we do, whether it's prospecting. Uh, you yep. know, we, I, I spend a lot of time uh, I'm very fortunate within the company even to do a lot of presentations and, and webinars 
on social selling and how that's impacted my business. I, I, some of the biggest deals that I've pulled in uh, over the over my time at Microsoft have been due to 100% due to social selling because that was what brokered the dialogue and the relationship yeah. with that C-level uh, in, in an organization or helped me get into a, a new logo, as it were. Yeah. And that craft is always evolving. You know, we, we bring in new tools, we bring in new approaches, uh, we, we we pivot when we realize that this method of outreach isn't getting any kind of response. Uh, we pivot and we maybe try something with a higher probability of success. So I think we apply that across the board and then we're consistent in how we apply the process, whether it's prospecting, uh, whether it's, you know, the sales script that we're using to yeah. get the phone call, to get the meeting, uh, or whether it's how we are uh, perfecting our pitch. You know, we're always changing things. Um, I love going out in the field more than anything in the world and actually sitting in these meetings, listening to these brilliant people have conversations, and then picking up what they say. And then I can take that, make it part of my arsenal, and then I can repeat yeah. that when I'm out there in the field by myself. So um, I, I think we as sellers need to constantly be pivoting, evolving, and looking for ways to perfect our craft, whatever that is. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. It's funny because what you said is when I first started in sales, I never had the opportunity to to get the training. It was it was it was I was trained on the job, um, and I read a book from Jim Cathcart called Relationship Selling, which was awesome. Um, and I had the had the opportunity to interview him, meet him, and he's you know he's better, way better than the book, right? Um, but I had that's the one philosophy that I used to enable me to become successful was watch other sellers, see what they do well, maybe see what they're not doing so well. Um, and add certain things to what I do, what I do, um, and I use them as 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 my learning. It's the best learning I've ever had. So, really appreciate you you sharing that with us. So let's talk about this process. You know, you've mentioned the process about prospecting and then pitching and then you know closing deals, etc. Um, is there a particular process that you followed throughout your career? Is there a methodology or just something that you've created yourself? It's a great question. Uh, you know, I think whatever the prospecting wheel looks like, um, yeah. that is, it, it. I think it's a general philosophy that has transcended my career, but at the same time, I've added so many pieces to it as, as sales has changed. You know, the game has changed. Um, you know, I'll talk about LinkedIn briefly. You know, obviously, yeah. Microsoft purchased LinkedIn a few years back, so I, I don't want to show any kind of bias there, but I've, you know, <laughs> I've used LinkedIn forever. And, uh, you know, LinkedIn gives you this uncanny ability to go out and find exactly who you're looking for, um, you know, send them a message, uh, connect with them in some fashion, find out what they're sharing, you know, and find yeah. out more about their organization. What, what power. But uh, with that comes the fact that, you know, we've got to always, as sellers, stand out. And if I had yeah. to point out something that's been important in the process, it's not just doing what everybody else does or can do or what comes easy. So, you know, well, a lot of people might prospect to one person, you know, a CEO or a, CE, a CFO or a CIO, um, or, you know, maybe even somebody in sales uh, at an organization and they're going after one person, two people, five people, I'll go after 30. I'll yeah. go after as many people as I need to get the meeting. And it's worth it because once you're in there and you've developed that rapport and you can utilize their recommendation to get to other people in the organization, yeah. your, your tentacles are in. Your tentacles are in the organization and then you can start forming relationships. So I'll tell you the other piece too. Can I just pause you on there just for a moment? Yeah. Sorry. Um, 
So you, you're putting million-dollar deals together. Are you prospecting yourself or do you have an SDR or an inside, you know, a model generating appointments or are you doing them yourself? Um, you know, there's a degree. That, I mean, you know, we, we talked when we chatted before this uh, about, a, you know, a little bit about the Microsoft ecosystem. Obviously, we have a yeah. lot of partners that work in our space and things of that stature. So there there is a degree that, that comes in from outside channels. But uh, I love prospecting and I, I, I do a lot of the prospecting myself before I train others how to do it. Um, that is awesome. So I'll give you I'll give you two really quick examples. One a deal I did a couple of years back. It was the largest deal, not only in my territory, but uh, the seventh largest deal in my entire channel two years Whoa. back. Um, I found them on LinkedIn. Um, I uh, was studying some reports. I saw that they were testing some of our cloud, small amounts. Um, but I reached out to uh, 20 people in the organization, um, and they pointed me to one that I needed yeah. to talk to. Called them, went out there, met with them, and then uh, you know they they were they were testing us against a couple other competitors. And because we were first to the table, I brought in some resources. They moved their entire infrastructure into our yes. cloud, and that was one of our largest deals. How, how big was it? So that one was has ended up being around five million. Yes, fantastic, and that's all from a cold outreach. Yeah, that was all from just out cold, completely cold. Yeah, I was studying reports. I mean, that's the thing as a seller, you've got all these things that are at your at your fingertips. And don't get me wrong, I've done that same behavior to other accounts and signed very yeah. small, you know, maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollar deals. Yeah. Um, but. That was a that was an exception to the rule, and I'll tell you, there's no silver bullet when it comes to prospecting either. I had one yeah. this past year that I connected with um, because I, I follow the business journals and I follow the uh, like sales navigator when there's changes in an yeah. organization. If you see a new person come into the mix, no better time uh, to reach out because that's when somebody is looking to come in, make their mark, make a change, reach out to that person ASAP, start a relationship. I met a brand new CIO last year and uh, that deal is is in process, but that's going to be um, a, a substantial deal in and of itself where we are really helping digitally transform this organization. And I have a great relationship there, notwithstanding. Um, you know, we were yeah. first to the table because I reached out to him the, the week that he was appointed, uh, actually the day after, because it was that's when it was published in the trades. I was in his office the following week and, you know, beat all the other competitors in the door. And we, uh, we, we, we started a journey then. And it's there's a lot of pieces to it. You were asking yeah. earlier, Luigi, about sales cycles. You know, I've worked in environments where it was a one-call close environment. Now yeah. I'm in situations where it, it could take a year to two years, especially if you're asking a company to, to change or revamp their ERP. Um, you know, you're looking at there's hardware investments that they have. You wait for them to expire, but you help them figure out uh, what's the right roadmap for their, for those. So it's, it's really about knowing your parameters, knowing your resources, and being able to operate within that. Um, I'll tell you, I've been in sales a long time, and there were times in my past sales roles where I was I was sleepwalking. I mean, I had it yeah. I had it down cold. At Microsoft, I've been surrounded by some of the most brilliant people I've ever met, and it's incredible just the amount of resources, the amount of touches that we have, and it has taken my selling to the next level. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you find that it can be a bit overwhelming when you have so many resources around you and not knowing which one to use at which time? It can be, which is why yeah. it's so imperative to stay focused. It's, it's, okay. it's important. I've really, and this was actually feedback that I got from a previous manager, um, really gotten better at 
how I manage my day. Uh, because before I would take every meeting, you know, I yeah. would, it, there's a lot of folks that want to take meetings with me, or if I was able to get a meeting with somebody, um, you know, I, I, my calendar would be ridiculous. I mean, there were times where I was double, triple, quadruple booked. So I think it's important to understand like, hey, there are a lot of resources that I can bring to the table, but I've also got to make sure that when I look at my day, that I'm only doing the stuff that's mission critical. And then if there are some other priorities that need to be rolled in, uh, making sure to follow in with those as well. So yeah. um, there are a ton of resources and you've got to be patient with yourself because you're not going to understand them all up front. That's why people are the number one resource, making sure yeah. you're latching on to people that understand, that have done it, that have been there, that have the experience and learning from them. So I love that mission critical. Would you say, and you obviously led teams and you, you can, you know, you continue to sell, um, how, how important is it to protect your selling time versus the ancillary components of your role? Yeah, you've got to carve out time. It's it's funny because I think as sellers, a lot of times we uh, more and more, you know, obviously whether it's um, whether it's locking in pipeline, uh, yeah. making forecasts. Uh, you know, meeting with other members of your team. Uh, there, there's a lot of time that gets caught up in that administrative component. And, you know, yeah. you've got to carve time out. Uh, in fact, sometimes that might be as simple as just scheduling a, a meeting for yourself or blocking off time on your calendar to do these activities. I make sure that I make time every day for the forecasting and pipeline activities. And then I make yeah. time every single day for my social selling and prospecting. You're, you're, you're doing pipeline management daily yes every day e even for large you know long so sales cycle every day i go through my accounts or my account lists or my deals yep. and i ask myself what can i do today to impact this deal Bang. and then i i jump on it that's sick i love that because it's funny i, I am a firm believer personally um whenever my, my, whenever i have a, a it's really success, you know, successful outcomes. It's because my pipeline was not filled with false hope. Um, it wasn't anorexic. It was there were real deals, and I was driving value without you know throughout those deals. And there was always an action that I needed to focus on, right? Um, and I've had arguments with people. They say, "No, but our sales cycle is two months, three months, six months, twelve months. How can I, you know, do pipeline reviews every day?" So I, I absolutely love what you've just said, and I'm going to take that snippet, Carson. I'm going to send it to a few people that I'm coaching at the moment. Just say, "Listen to this." So that's fantastic. So you you do pipeline management daily. You you set time for you know prospecting, social selling. What are some of the other activities that are non-negotiable for you? It's a great question. You know, it's it's really all about just prioritization because my day can be vastly different from one day to the next. I do a lot of events. Yeah. Um, you know, I do a lot of partner connection. I do a lot of sometimes meeting with customers directly, which is my favorite. Uh, but all the, I think the the key piece is the prioritization. You know, looking at what's going to have the greatest impact. Um, across the board because we get pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. So I think it's important. I, I'll spend time at the onset of my day and I'll literally just jot down the, the five or 10 things that I have to get done that day. And I will continually, continually look back at that list. I think a lot of us as sellers, we are, we are strong in this because we are so able to jump from one activity to yeah. the other and multitask 
Um, that, that can sometimes enhance our abilities, but it can also detract from it if we lose focus. So I will make sure that I keep revisiting, kind of like I revisit my deals that I, that I can touch, you know, and, and it may not, there may be nothing that I can do on that deal that day and I'll move on, but there are milestones that have to happen in that sales cycle. And that's why it's so imperative to make sure you're combing through that daily with the same token. I will go through the things that I absolutely have to get done on that day and I will keep revisiting that list to see, okay, uh, have I done this? Have I done this? And making sure that I'm checking these things off. Um, maybe almost too basic, but it's yeah. very helpful for me because I can get pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, that's fantastic. So just I want to ask you a question because, you know, focusing on that that high performance and as a sales leader, when you, you know, when you um, interview uh, other salespeople to bring them into your team or have in the past? What do you look for? Wow, that's a good one. I think what I'm really looking for is the things that can't be trained or coached. I'm looking for that X factor. And I, I've done a lot of gambles on on hires in the past. And some pay off, some don't. But yeah. there's that drive, that tenacity, that what did they do in a complex situation um, that, that most people would be a little bit too daunted by? How did they handle themselves in those types of scenarios? So I'm really looking for that personality, um, that, that drive, uh, but also kind of what they've done in real time. How are they going to handle some of these crazy, just unforeseen circumstances that are going to get thrown their way? Because if I had to highlight one last really uh, characteristic of high performance, it would be endurance. There are so many things that, you know, you can have all the drive in the world. You can understand the, you know, the people and process mentality. You can go out with the best of intentions, do the right thing. You can consistently apply, but there's so many things that are going to come out of nowhere. You know, I was talking about deals yeah. that go south in the 11th hour. I mean, these are deals that I spent months and months yeah. and hours upon hours constructing and putting together and uh, flying in people to meet with clients and then they're they're gone one day they're yeah. dead and that can really sting so what do we do after that and yep. i've made the conscious decision to learn from it take it into my next deal but there's a lot of people that are, are that are crippled by that and that's why i think endurance is the biggest X factor. I want to hear about your losses. I want to hear from a, when I'm hiring people, I want to hear about when you lost, what did you do? How did you react? What did you do with that information, that learning? That is for me, the most important factor. That's insane. I love it. You know, you, you are completely, you have a complete growth mindset when, when losing a deal. Hey, tell my bosses that because we're that's our that's our mantra these days. It's growth yeah. mindset. <laughs> no, I love <laughs> it, man. Because... You have to. You have to. You, you have to have a growth mindset now, and you've got to make sure that you're looking at everything from a from a completely different perspective. I I'll tell you. I mean, when I was in my twenties, um, yeah, I, was, I, I got I had some success early. I was really confident, and I thought I knew everything there was to know. I'll <laughs> tell you, I have become so humbled. <laughs> Over yeah. the last few years, because of the, the ability to have conversations like this with people in sales that I respect, that I look up to, that I think are incredible. And then number two, being surrounded by people that are just absolutely brilliant, that I'm looking to, that I'm trying to emulate their sales process, because 
I realized just how little I knew back then yeah. and how much I still have to learn. And for me, that's a lot of fun. That's exciting yep. and it's enjoyable. And it makes me realize that I'm a part of this magical world of selling. And uh, that for me is enough to fuel my engine for the rest of my career. <laughs> It's pretty cool, isn't it? And I love it too, man. I just had my, my Amazon delivery of about 10 books and uh, they're, they're scattered in my lounge room and I'm, my kids come out and they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> how, can you get, how, can you, how can you get excited over books? I'm like, man, this is sick. Um, yeah, it's like Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> I just I want to I actually, because that, that uh, I have and you know what, I try – you know, I I do. Um, I am proud of the fact that I have a growth mindset when it comes to sales. You know, whenever I lose a deal, and hopefully I've got that relationship with the customer where I actually ask them, you know, share with me what I could have done differently, um, because I want that intel. And there's a guy in Sydney called Ken Ken McLaughlin, and I'll, I'll have to connect you guys. But he studies win loss. That's all he does. He studies why customers buy and why they don't buy. And he does it for some of the biggest organizations like SAP and, um, you know, some, some huge, huge organizations. Um, and, but tell me, because I have been in that position where I lost a deal and I was emotionally invested in that deal, right? I had given it a lot of my um, emotional energy and I lost it. And the first thing that I did was I laid blame. I'm like, you know, there was an assassin. I didn't. I didn't pick her up. It's her fault, and and I was really angry. And I, I actually found myself in a really negative mindset. Right? Have you ever experienced that in your career? Sure, absolutely, I have. I mean, I'm I'm human too, and I go through all those same types of stages. I mean, it's like the many stages of grief, right? Yeah. And you're you've got that immediate depression around it. You've got that blame game. You're you know trying to figure out what went wrong, uh, but at the end, you've got to come to acceptance. And yeah. I've had, I had a few that, um, you know, they were, I mean, they were awful. I, I just, the, the places that I had to fly to, to meet with folks, the, uh, the amount of hours upon hours that I spent on calls and, you know, arranging and orchestrating a sales team uh, for these efforts and then to see it go awry, it, it's painful. But I'll yeah. tell you, if you do it right, even when you lose, you went because yeah. number one, that customer knew the links to which I went. The business decision that they made wasn't personal. It wasn't against me. In fact, they they appreciated how much I did, and they made yeah. a, they actually called me and spent quite a bit of time just talking to me about, hey, we're not going with you on this project. However, this is why. These, this yep. is the thought process and it had nothing to do with you. Like we loved how you did this and this and this, and we want to do more with you. Um, but you know, now's not the time, but yep. let's meet again, maybe next quarter. Cause we're going to be working on this and, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of the implementing what we discussed and that meant volumes to me. I mean, granted yep. it's, it's finding that little, that little piece of, of solace amongst the pain, but longer term, that relationship has has been fruitful yep. since then because the customer respected what I brought to the table and it ended up being okay in the long run. Plus, a lot of these folks too, they may refer you to other people. Yeah. Um, it's, there's a lot of things that you've got to understand. Every action that you take and every reaction that you make will have implications. And that's why you've always got to project the best image of yourself no matter how hard that is. That's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna post that 
and I'm going to put your head on it and your picture and I'm going to post it, Carson, because that's a sick statement. I love it. Um, so there was impersonal integrity. The customer still liked you. Um, has there been a time where relationship tension or a lack of relationship connection lost a deal? Absolutely, yes. And yeah. sometimes that's within your control and sometimes yeah. it's not. And there's a lot of times where we also have to make gambles in our position. You know, I've gone around people in an organization or over their head yeah. to get to, you know, get to the board, get to the CEO. And while that may have worked, it probably hurt the relationship that I had with yep. my previous direct contact. Um, and there's also times where I may not run point on a deal for that very reason, because if I know a partner has a better relationship or sometimes you've, you've got to be Batman in the deal. You've got to be the hero that can be the villain. And so you can position another member of your team or a partner or somebody else to run point on this deal because they are, you know, they've got the snow white image and maybe you're the one who takes the hit um, or, you know, falls on the sword uh, so that the greater deal can be done. The greater relationship can be realized. So um, I think that stuff happens a lot where, you know, there, there are negative relationships. The, the challenge that I think a lot of us have Luigi in that case is because we don't always control that. Sometimes yeah. there's a negative relationship because of nothing, something that was completely out of our control, nothing we did. And that's hard. That's hard to swallow. Um, but I think that's where we have to address that obstacle and find a way around it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So again, you've gone to that growth mindset, focus on what we're doing and really learn from that experience. So my big takeaway from this is one of the key characteristics of high performance is that learning component. Um, and I love, you know, your reference to Michael Jordan earlier because I love, you know, the stuff that he that he put out about how many shots that he've mi he's missed, how many games he's lost, and why, you know, the how many times he's failed is the is the reason for his success. Um, and so I love that, and uh, that's a big takeaway from this conversation. So, mate. What's a big? Who's been the biggest influence? You know, sales influence in your career, and why? It's a great question. Um, I I would have to lump in the people that I've been able to connect with all as yeah. one because I you know, it'd be it's challenging because there's been a lot of bosses and and mentors and there's been a lot of people that have worked for me that have inspired me. Um, yeah, there's a lot of folks that I've been able to, to connect with, um, you know, because of my, my sales books, um, that, that have been an inspiration to me as well. So I, I think that it, my greatest accomplishment and achievement in my career is also what's inspired me or the, would be the person or people that have influenced me the most is every, we are all a conglomeration of the people that we interact with, you know, we're products of our environment. And that's why I think it's an imperative that we use all the tools we can to expand our network and to yeah. connect truly with people, understand their motivations and their perspectives and have that growth mindset to understand that, that there's many different ways of doing a deal. There's many different ways of going after a business problem or uh, many different ways to uh, maintain and manage a relationship or grow, um, you know, grow a relationship over time. So 
I've been inspired and influenced so much by just the, the countless sales professionals that I've been able to work with um, over my yeah. my career. Um, it, it's been incredible. And I'd, I'd be remiss to highlight just one because I feel like I was doing an Oscar speech yeah. <laughs> and I would undoubtedly miss somebody. Um, yeah. But it's, it's amazing because I continue that now. I mean, I have people... Everyone, so in our career, we have to make a lot of difficult decisions, right? I mean, it's, you know, there's what, what's our next role? Um, you know, what, uh, what do we want to do with our career and, and how do we react to certain situations? And there are definitely some people today that, uh, I mean, they know who they are, but that I, that I consult upon. Um, and I would say those are probably the top of the top, the folks that inspire me the most. But I, I will say this, that my drive absolutely came as basic as it sounds, from wanting to impress my parents. That's it. I started out, I I felt like I was always in a situation, uh, you know, I was fortunate when I was a kid, I was was in gifted programs and things like that, but I always felt like I was up against the world. I always felt like, because I was an only child, I was compared to this kid or that kid or whatever it was. I, even if it wasn't true, I felt competitive in those situations. And I just wanted my parents to be blown away by what I could do or what I did. And so that's where it, it really came from, uh, was that, that desire to really impress them. And then along the way, it kind of t- took on a form of its own. And I've been inspired and influenced by a lot of people along the way. Yeah, that's fantastic. Really, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, so thanks, th- thanks for sharing that, mate. Um, I, I like to ask this question: If you could, uh, you know, when I, when, I, when I get to the point of wrap up, if you could go back in time and um, do it all over again, what's one thing you'd do differently in your career? Uh, I would have, I would have listened more, and I would have been more humble <laughs> earlier in my career. You know, I think yeah. one thing that I didn't, I, I was promoted very quickly in my career multiple times. And I was always very plugged in with what my team needed. And I did everything that I could to remove barriers to their success. But in doing that, I know that I was very, I, I, I don't, I did not have a growth mindset. I was very um, in belief that their way or what we had come up with was the right path. And um, I did not do as good of a job as I could have or should have at looking at the entire body of work, understanding yeah. that holy sales trinity, as it were, understanding that, you know, no matter what, we are ambassadors of the organization that we work for. We sign a contract with them on day one. We agree to be the person we were on interview day, and they agree yeah. to give us the sales and the, tra- the training and the support and the infrastructure to help us be successful. And sometimes they fail at doing that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we've got to make sure that we always hark back to that person that we were on interview day. We committed to this role and we committed to growth. And uh, there were probably times uh, that I that I missed that. And I could have been more humble and could have been more gracious and could have been more respectful to that process. And if I could go back, which I wouldn't go back because I learned a lot of things the hard way and that helped me learn. But uh, if I could go back, those would be the only things I'd change. Man, that's awesome. That is such in, you know, insane insight that you, you know, you, you have, and I love that growth mindset. So, man, this has been great. We could go on for another hour. I've absolutely loved this conversation, but uh, um, understanding, you know, you've got to get back to it. But where can our listeners find a bit more about you? Um, and we'll put show notes of where they can buy your book. Um, but uh, tell us, where, 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 can, where can they connect with you? 
Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I'm all over LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Would love to connect with sellers on LinkedIn and have conversations. I'm also on Twitter and I do a lot of blogging. Um, the books are available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and there's an audio book on Amazon as well. Yep. Well, fantastic. We'll put links in the show notes so everybody can 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 get it um, and uh, and and connect with you because uh, you know what you've got so much knowledge and, and 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 a wealth of absolute wisdom when it comes to selling and um, and not just selling, just about having that growth mindset. So this has been absolutely awesome, man. So I really appreciate you and value uh, you know the content that you put out. Yeah, Luigi, I feel the same about you. Love your uh, love your content. I'm a big fan. It very much enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks, man. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Carson is authentic, passionate, with a thirst for success. There's some of the easiest ways to describe who Carson is. How did he achieve the success he has enjoyed? Was it by expecting results without doing any hard work? Not at all. This guy still prospects, still picks up the phone and does cold outreach, and secured a multi-million dollar deal as a result. In a world where experts are saying cold outreach is dead. The habits of high performance comes in the simple daily non-negotiable actions that we set ourselves. My challenge to you this week is how are you developing your skills to be a high performer? What are your non-negotiables that you have set yourself so you can be the best sales professional you can be? 